We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 282 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso and the playoffs are upon us. Not only that, Chicago, we're number one. On the clock. We're number one. <laughs> uh, we will explore the, uh, I guess, diverging feeling of having the top overall pick, the uh, celebration of uh, that sort of equity in the draft and the recognition that it means you're the worst team in the NFL. I don't know that those two things are completely true, or at least the second. But Matt and Rooney, first and foremost, how the hell are you? I, I'm doing well. I don't know about you on Sunday because yeah. I know you're obviously at work and, and, you know, covering the games in a professional matter. I was watching these games on a couch. I'm not sure how much you watched of the Bears game. I think I watched, like, the Cole Komet touchdown, the Velas Jones touchdown, and the Tim Boyle interception, and that was about it. Um, but man, that was, uh, that, that Texans game was, was just awesomely exciting coming down the stretch. It's yeah, such a wild range of emotions. It went from like, we're getting the number one pick to fuck Lovey and the Texans. They blew it to, Oh wait, <laughs> maybe. Nope. We're dead again. Nope. Fourth and 20. We're good. Like it was wild. Yeah. It was, uh, probably the most exciting bear game of the season, uh, outside of maybe new England. Or yeah. the Vikings game that lost the most exciting bear game of the season was a Houston Texans uh, Indianapolis Colts game. Uh, Davis Mills driving his team down the field. Lovey electing to go for two. His last act as Houston Texans head coach was to get a win for his old ball club here in Chicago. It was a beautiful thing. The storylines weaved almost seamlessly. And in the end, the Bears end up with the top overall pick. Uh, conversation of what they should do with said pick already bouncing around. I've heard some of the um, more idiotic takes already, so let's get those out of the way. Um, Draft that Bryce Young fella and trade Justin for four first-round picks. Um, It puts us in a position where we control the offseason. We have $119 million of cap space. Next closest team, I believe, is Atlanta, which is shy of 70. So, like, we're talking about – $50 $50 million more than anybody in the open marketplace. We're talking about the top overall pick. We're talking about eight total picks right now. We're probably going to end up picking about 12 guys. I don't know. Like, you have to look at this roster. If you're Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, and I listened to that entire uh, postseason press conference, and there mm-hmm. were some things in there I would have loved them to have versed differently, but it seems like we're moving in the right direction with the right people. And I just wanted a little bit more of a, uh, I wanted more of a little bit nobody's safe uh, type feel. Like he, he was very celebratory of what they accomplished. And I wanted him to come to the podium and say, looking at this roster, it will look far different next year. We're thankful for everybody's hard work, but it's time to get to work because it really is. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a general manager, I don't care if you're a 20th year GM, if you're a second year GM, it's if it's your first franchise, your third franchise, your fifth franchise. If you are a general manager, you will not there will not be a year that you have nine figures of cap space, the top overall pick and a starting quarterback you believe in as the future of your franchise. It just doesn't happen. And it's no, happening it's, to the Chicago yeah. Bears right now. And yes, it is a lot of pressure on Ryan Poles to succeed, but it's the most fruitful and I don't want to call it the easiest position to succeed in, but you have the most at your disposal to succeed. We got to see it now, Polsey. Yeah. And it's a tough 
it's a tough task for, you know, a, a second year. It, this is the second full off season, right? Cause you did have the entire full off season last year. So second full off season, but really first full off season where you're actually, you know, trying to improve the team because as much as anybody wants to say is, you know, the bears wanted to win football games this year, last year's off season was about trimming cap, you know, uh, freeing up money for the future, freeing up money for this off season. So they would be in this position and they pretty much admittedly just signed bodies to play football so they could get themselves in a spot to control this off season. And now they are controlling this off season as friend of the podcast, Rob Gallick literally just texted me a mailbag. Maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we won't. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch because, like you said, when was the last time we saw this that a team controlled an offseason so much so in the with their draft pick being number one, not needing to take that quarterback number one? Because that's the thing. I mean, a lot of times teams get that number one pick and they get there because they don't have a quarterback and they're taking mm-hmm. said quarterback. Bears don't need that quarterback. So they're going to add to that capital, obviously. And then they have not just the most, but like you said, 50 million more. And they'll probably be in a position the offseason next year where they have quite a bit of cap space to spend too, because they're not going to go out and spend a hundred, you know, whatever million in free agency this year. That's just dumb. And then your know, free agency isn't that uh, it, it's, it's irresponsible to go spending that way, but. And it, the, the class is the class the, is the, less than yes. The class has some average, the class has some below guys, average class. Yes, the class has some guys. Luckily, in some spots that the Bears need to address. Notably, Deron Payne should be their top target, and you know they shouldn't be outbid for him. Same with whichever of Mike McGlinchey or Orlando Brown that they prefer. I'm not sure which one they like better, but whichever one they like better is another t- uh, another spot they shouldn't be outbid for. But after that, yeah, like you're not. Doling out that there is no Tyreek Hill in free agency. It's it, maybe they do want to pay Jacoby Myers because they can, but that can't be, you know, your only off series, off season receiver addition. Um, they're going to have to get, not going to have to get creative. They're going to be able to get creative because their flexibility and it's going to be really entertaining to watch. And the amount of rumors we're going to get surrounding that first pick between now and draft day, because that's when that, if you're responsible, that's when that pick gets traded. Um, it's going to be incredibly entertaining to watch. Um, all right. I, I want to run a couple things by you here. <laughs> sure. First and foremost, just, just getting the Justin stuff out of the way. I know the sensationalist Chicago media is probably going to make a bunch of uh, Cole's comments yesterday, but yeah. in that position, is there any other way to answer that question other than the way that he did? Like we are going to assess everybody because the open marketplace right now is trying to assess what that number one is worth. You need to have all of the leverage in your pocket. So you could say, well, the first overall pick this year, because we know you love Young so much more than you love CJ Stroud is going to cost you your first this year, your first next year, your second this year, your second next year, and a third this year, or whatever the case may be. We are trying to determine value of that pick. He cannot come out and say, no, we're not even looking at quarterbacks because we love Justin so much. Hopefully that is the case internally, because I think that is the case in a large proportion of the fan base is that Justin's the guy we're ready to move forward, put pieces around him. But if you come out and say that mm-hmm. you give away a little bit of your leverage. Now I think our biggest leverage is getting on the phone with Indianapolis and saying, Hey, you guys like Bryce young. You want him? You want to take them in, over your divisional uh, yeah. mate? You want to play with him instead of Bryce against them? Yeah. All right. Uh, so we want your first this year. We want Michael Pittman and we want Quentin Nelson. Yeah, that's 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 what it's going to take or something it's, along the lines 
along if, those lines. What did you, so I guess the question I'm asking is what did sure. you make of Polls' comments regarding Justin at that I, press conference? I honestly would have liked a little bit more non-committalness to Justin, if we're being honest, because uh, if I were Ryan Polls and what he said about Justin after the offseason was a very glowing review that we love him. He's like, he, he had, I forgot the exact quote. I don't have it in front of me. Basically said like, He's made a bunch of strides this year. He's very incredibly talented. Love him in the building. All like, glowing review of him with the you know saying he mm-hmm. needs to improve passing the ball a little bit. But I would have had Justin in my office, you know, exit interview and said like, "Hey, you are the guy. We love you. You are the guy to take the Chicago Bears to the next level. In order to maximize this first round pick value or this first overall pick value, I need to make people think we don't. So you're going to see yeah. some things. You're going to see some quotes or you know." quote unquote reports that are either directly from me or indirectly from me that we're looking at Bryce Young or we're looking at CJ Stroud. Those are not I true. hope that I really that, hope that, that would be my meeting. That, like, hey dude, like yeah. we love you. You're here. But I need to get three first round picks for this number one, not two in a yeah. second. Like I need to get the most out of this. And the only way that happens is if people think we don't like you. And hey, if you want your agent to leak that, oh, maybe I'm a little bit distraught too, that wouldn't hurt us yeah. either. But this is a thing. This is this is the this is the brain trust growing forward. Ryan, Matt, and Justin know that, but know that what you see is not it is all a smoke screen. And that's that's the conversation yeah. I would have had. Not saying it didn't happen. And I honestly wouldn't be like Ryan Poles is going to be at Kentucky for Will Levis's pro day. Ryan Ryan Poles is going to be at Ohio State for C.J. Stroud's uh, pro day. Same thing with Alabama with Bryce Young. And he should be because he needs to put up that facade. But they're not taking a quarterback with that first pick. The Bears are not making that first pick unless something goes wildly astray and the Colts and Texans both acquire quarterbacks and Will Anderson has the greatest pro day of all time. The Bears are not making that first pick. But with what you saw, I, the, the – Pulse's press conference was great, but I had my eyes on Chris Ballard and the one of the Colts reporters asked him, he showed his card. literally, would you move heaven and earth to get the number one pick <laughs> if you thought that like, if you thought yes. that quarterback was you guys like I do? Yes. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Chris. So, yeah, like you said, I'm going to need that number four pick. Going to need next year's one. I know you guys are kind of in a rebuilding mode. DeForest Buckner doesn't really fit you much anymore. We'll take him. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can give us Michael Pittman and a two or just Quentin Nelson. That's your call. But you said heaven and earth. <laughs> and if you don't, we want Nick, Casario, Nick Casario's on the other line, and he's going to give me two first-round picks, Brandon Cooks, and a third. So your call. Ball's in your court, buddy. All right, later. That's the and, message. Not even talking about the phone, leaving a message. In looking, looking at those two messages, I so badly would want the indie deal. Brandon Cooks. Oh yeah, uh, for much I would, respect them. I would take the Houston it's, deal if if Indy just was like, no, nah, like we're good. But Indy is if I if I was making betting odds, I would say the deal with Indy is about minus two fifty right now. Like I think they're that like that. It's that's the most likely is, my, uh, team to make the deal with. My point is, Indy's got guys that. Are immediate yes. upgrades and no disrespect yep. to Brandon Cooks, but that is a band aid that is not yeah. an answer to our current problem. It, it's another undersized receiver who has been great at doing what he does and stretching the field, the underneath stuff, the stuff he's capable of. Let's not forget the fact that this was the first non head injury season for Brandon Cooks in about a half decade, and it was only that because he sat out about a third of it. So, yeah, just just like. 
assessing the player at this point in his career, I think Brandon Cooks is um, is too far gone for me to really want him as my uh, as my. I don't know if I'm calling him a number one even in that room. That leads me to my next question with the next hypothetical. Um, You've already heard the Arizona Cardinals Mm -hmm. talking about Mm -hmm. pivoting, moving a different direction. How interested in DeAndre Hopkins are you at this point in his career? Coming off a suspension year where he missed six games due to PEDs, production obviously down, but Davis Mills throwing him the ball. Like when you're looking at his window of prime play he's probably going to be in the league for i'd say four more years i'd have to look at the contract but probably going to be in the league for roughly four to five more years and maybe two more years of prime football does that line up with what we need right now in your eyes uh i'm very interested i've made the phone call already because you can afford he's got two like he's got well i made the phone call but i want to know like is this a you're only coming here if you get a three-year extension type thing, like uh, like to, to add on to this contract because or that's can what we I, just play your contract. Like, you know, I, I'll give you, I'll give, I'll add an, I'll tack on a year to your contract to make it three if that really sweetens this up. But yes, like I'm, he'll be 31 on opening day next year, so that means if you add an extra year, 34. Like tail end of that, he's not a one anymore, but he's still a productive player. Like you see, elite wide receivers are still useful pieces, at, you know, at that age. And I think he's kind of exactly the type of big body that Justin needs. I think that also opens things up for Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney that much more. And, you know, Chase Claypool's biggest asset is his, is his deep ball, his, his go route. And if you have safeties and you have, you know, teams paying extra attention to DeAndre Hopkins, that's pretty much guaranteeing you you're going to get one-on-one shots with Chase Claypool most of the time. Um, so I, I think he opens up a whole bunch of stuff for the offense. I think he's incredibly consistent. He's a great catcher of the football. I would be all in on that. And I don't think it's going to cost you that much because not many teams can take on that cap hit or will be willing to. And you have an extra fourth round pick from the Robert Quinn deal. And hey, if you can get him for, if you can here's get him our, for a four. Yeah. Here's Philly's four. Uh, and we're going to take all, we're going to take that money from you and we'll, we'll add on a year to his contract. And if they don't want that, yeah, all right, but it, let's go find let's somebody play else. A little bit. Let's play a little harder hardball than that. Let's say here's Philly's four. We're taking on half of this contract. You're taking on the other. We know yeah. you guys got to move forward type thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it's an interesting one because it, it's sort of that's the barometer. That player move, that age group at receiver is sort of the barometer in where the front office is going to expect to be next year. Like if we end up with a DeAndre Hopkins, uh, fingers crossed, perfect world, whatever, uh, Devontae Adams, a 30-plus-year-old wide receiver who is elite and trying to maintain that level that tells you that this is a turnaround that we're expected that's expected to be a in a to excuse me a turnaround that's expected to happen in a year to a year and a half like yeah that means we are trying to contend to win a championship next season and i know that's a crazy thing to say after picking first overall but like it would be a the expectation like the base level expectation when you make a move like that would be to be at least the jacksonville jaguars this year picking first overall and in the playoffs the next season and i don't think that's unrealistic because you see what impact players can do when you add them to teams and I mean, look at the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Adding A.J. Brown to that team completely unlocked everybody. And Mm -hmm. I don't think there's an A.J. Brown in this year's class, but there's other ways to get those types of players onto your team. Um, It's going to be a fun offseason, and I'm just hoping they pull strings that, uh, that really make us feel good about the direction of this franchise. 
I'm looking at the Andre Hopkins uh, like numbers from this year. I, I pulled up the you know his his Pro Football Reference page. He obviously had the steroid suspension, and maybe just say, "Don't do steroids for me, please." Um, but nine games this year, 717 yards. His peak year when he was 25 with the Texans, played 15 games, had uh, 1300 yards. So like he's or he's he's off that like pace. But not by a ton. By just a little. Like, like what is that, like an 1,100, 1,200-yard year? Yeah, like touch, the, the touchdowns were down because for most of the year, Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley were throwing him the football. But, like, yeah. he's not falling off a cliff by it. Last year, his numbers were down, but he was he was hurt for a while and then played hurt for a little while. This year, he was mostly healthy. He just had the steroid thing to spend and start the year. Like, the numbers have been really – before that, you know, in 2020, 1,400, 2019, 1,100, 1,518, uh, 1,317. Like, the the numbers this year line up still. Like, he's not somebody that's fallen off a cliff and is a, you know, sure-handed veteran number three who you throw to on third and seven sometimes. Like, he's still a dude. So, I'm I'm all in on DeAndre Hopkins. Not all in. So bad. Very cheap. I so badly wanted him to be in his prime uh, because I had Davis Mills throwing the ball in Houston earlier in the podcast, but I don't know what my brain was. Doing I mean, there. Davis Mills Even, might have been throwing him the ball in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and honestly, of those three names, probably the best. Yeah, one hundred percent the best of those three options. He he dated uh, after playing just a little time with Kyler before that knee injury came and uh, all that uh, all that transpired beyond that. Cliff getting fired and that franchise just being completely in flux. He looks like a player for the taking. Uh, another the coolest thing situation. about this offseason is uh-huh. all of, like this is not the first one of these veterans that a team's going to be shopping. Everyone that pops up that isn't a quarterback, we're going to have this like this discussion is going to be had. Yeah. Um, it's going to be oh, yeah. should the Bears are they interested? Can't like it's going to be cool to be in those discussions. Sorry to mean to cut you off. Just, that just popped my head. Just don't get got. Just don't get got. Um, don't get got. I think there's. I don't know how much more of uh, lipstick there is to put on this Bears season. Uh, Justin taking strides forward. Um, I liked what we saw in a couple of the rookies in Gordon and, and even in Brisker at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm appreciative of what David Montgomery's meant to this football team. I just don't know if he's there next season. Uh, you know, being as bad as we were, there aren't many massive thoughts. Uh, there aren't many. And I think we said at the beginning of this year, keep Justin healthy, take strides forward, eat shit, get paid. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Um, and we move from here. I mean, yeah, we had, we all we talked about this offseason, even the end of last year was this year is about Justin's development. We saw that development. And yes, he still needs to take some strides in the passing game, but I think those strides with the passing game come with a true number one wide receiver and an offensive line that he's not running from, you know, on half of his snaps. We saw mm-hmm. that, Cole Komet is indeed a piece and a pretty big one, I think, going forward yes, that we have a guy absolutely. at tight end that, you know, unfortunately, Matt Nagy had just had no idea how to use because his name wasn't Jimmy Graham. Um, we have a piece there. Uh, we found out we might have a left tackle, which is pretty nice. We found out we have, you know, two pieces in the secondary that we drafted last year, like you said, in Gordon and Brisker. Um, hell, even Vilas Jones finished wrong to end the year, and I'm not sure he's ever going to be a, just like a starting wide receiver, but he's a guy that can run a go route. He's a guy you can do some gadget plays with, maybe line up in the backfield too. So he might be a piece going forward. Like you look back at this draft class, and it, it's it's pretty good so far from what Ryan Poles did without having a first round pick. Uh, I think he maximized and got the most out of it. So I'm very intrigued to see what he does trading back from one and getting a whole bunch of other picks as well. And you always have to look at it through the scope of what's going on outside of our building, but in the division, 
I mean, Lions look like they have a lot of belief. What they do at the quarterback uh, position is going to be interesting this offseason. But Aiden Hutchinson looks like uh, mm-hmm. like J.J. Watt reincarnate. Like uh, he can do anything you need him to do on a football field. I think the Lions are going to be very good moving forward. I think whatever happens here in the playoffs will tell us a lot of who the Vikings are going to be next year because yeah. everything went their way this year. And I don't think it continues that way it's an aging defense um it's a place where you've seen some frustration i think that they could be in a tumultuous situation this offseason and heading into next season and then there's green bay where (laughs) the biggest question mark perhaps in the league lives and that's the future of aaron Rodgers. i I listened to that entire uh press conference live after the game we were doing post game and that was a contemplative aaron Rodgers who did not say he was non-committal to anything and i think he wants to be really thoughtful about this we're going to get a decision he said prior to march because he doesn't want to hold teams hostage in free agency but he doesn't know what his future is in green bay or in the league but it feels sounds and looks like if aaron Rodgers is going to be playing football it's going to be in a different uniform yeah i think he's going to be back somewhere next year it still might be green bay i'm not really sure like I was, we were, we were dead at yeah, Tennessee. Uh, if Miami wants to give that, give him a phone call and see if he wants to come down to South beach for a year or two, live it up there, throw to Tyree kill and, and Jalen Waddle. Um, Vegas, Tennessee, Miami, Miami. He's not going to happen. Indy. He's no. not going to the jets. He would not, retire going before to going to Indy. He would probably retire before gonna, going to the jets. It's going to be a, I think that it's going to be a two year Brady Buccaneers thing where he tries to turn it into a free agency sweepstakes and get everyone to go wherever he goes. Just figuring out where that is, is going to be. If, the if first I were move. him, and I think that. Go ahead. Finish up. Finish. I, I was going to say, I think that the glimpses that we got of Jordan love is also a shot in the arm for green Bay to say, Hey, we got to do what we did to Brett. And and if it is a year too early or two years too early, whatever, we just got to do it because yeah. we got a guy here. We got to figure out if we have a dude here, you know, Jordan showed some flashes this year that he did, excuse me, that he did not last. So I think that even uh, adds another element into uh, this entire situation where even if Aaron wants to be back in green Bay, even if he wants to do a two year, that front office, they might they might be ready to say we gotta we gotta figure out who we are beyond Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the problem with that is is the is the contract they signed him to that you know if if he's not there next year that's ninety nine million dollars in dead cap space. But yep. I think the the counter to that is, Love. I mean, I know I know it wasn't ninety nine in dead <laughs> cap space, but you just saw what the team in Chicago a couple hours south did, and they're in a really good spot because of it. Like, yeah, you might just have to endure one year of sucking, but uh, for the long term of your franchise to get everything you need to get off the books, have the one year that's bad, play a whole bunch of drafted rookies, lose a bunch of football games, long term might be better. And, you know, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm, I, I'm not ruling out he'll be back in Green Bay because I will never rule that we out. We ruled that out at certain year. points last year. You we know? ruled it out last year and, you know, he signed the deal and he still owed a bunch of money. And like I said, Green Bay's still on a hook for a big hit if he leaves. But like... I'm looking around the league and we say, I feel like we had the same con- same conversation last year, but like the dolphins went out and got to a Tyree kill after having Jalen Waddle. Um, who, why, why am I blanking? Uh, the Eagles went out and got AJ Brown. Like we talked about the, like the bears went out and got chase Claypool because the Packers wouldn't up their offer. And that chase Claypool was not in the same stratosphere as those two superstar receivers mentioned. Like, 
where's the help, man? He said it like we yeah. didn't replace Devontae Adams. You don't replace Devontae Adams, but like you go get somebody. Uh, and I don't know yeah. who that's somebody, but there were options out there. And I thought the Alan Lazard, you know, comments in his post game scrum were kind of weird where he was like, he said, I'm out of here essentially. And seemed very disgruntled and upset. Like, it seems like a very strange vibe in that, in that locker room. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, like, it's just, it's time. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Bears fan who wants to see Aaron Rodgers out of the division. I actually think Aaron Rodgers staying is probably bad for them long-term because I think he is kind of, he's not at the point where he can carry um, average offenses to greatness anymore. But like, it's, it's just time, man. Like, they time and again have proven that they're not going to go above and beyond to help you out. Go to a team that will. Go to Miami where yeah. you can just throw to Tyreek Hill and um, and Jalen Waddle and probably have pretty big influence over the offense with Mike McDaniel. And they have see that's that's the, that's, that's the only reason that's the only reason I see Miami being a problem is because Aaron's going to want to go to the line and do a Peyton Manning impression yeah. for the last two years career. Fine, then go and to Mike's Tennessee and want, do that with Mike Vrabel. Yeah, I tell Mike Vrabel you want to run the offense. I think that they'll offer you more autonomy than yeah. uh, than Miami will at this current point. But however it goes down, it's just hard to see him back. It's hard to see him back in Green Bay uh, the way things currently stand. Again, it felt like that last year as well. So we shall see. We shall yeah. see. Well, as we ponder the future of the NFC North and uh, those who represent. The Vikings, I guess, are our representative this weekend. Don't see it going very far for them, but that's where we're going next. Super wild card weekend games on Saturday, Sunday, and a lone game on Monday. Uh, let's offer a thought here. I think it's uh, obvious by the game lines. There are um, bigger favorites this weekend than we're going to see next and the following, but uh, it all starts on Saturday at 4.30 with the Niners and the Seahawks. Interestingly enough, all six of our matchups here, Super Wildcard Weekend, are rematches from the regular season. We also have three divisional matchups, including this one, San Francisco-Seattle. Does that give you any pause? Divisional foe, a big number here, Matt, but San Francisco, obviously the favorite, as healthy as they've been, I guess, outside of the quarterback position, but you got a kid in Brock Purdy playing the best quarterback that, putting the best numbers up in terms of yeah. QBR of anyone in the league since he joined. It just, it breaks my brain to know that the third string quarterback who wasn't in pads to start the season is the best quarterback in the NFL in terms of QBR over the last six weeks. It's honestly insane. And it, man, it puts the 49ers in a really good position going forward because they're not going to have to pay this kid anything for three more years. Um, that I'm assuming at least next year he is their guy because why wouldn't he be after that at this point? But uh, like I I think he's probably your guy next year. He's I mean, only he he's you to- only your guy if you can get a third or better for Lance. If Lance is on that roster, I think he's the starter. I you think someone will what, give you a third you, round pick for Trey for, Lance, though. Okay, he, but if if Trey Lance is on that roster and healthy for what you spent for him, you have to give him another look. You've given him – what's his sample size? Four games? I know, but, like, at some point, don't you just say we fucked up, that's our bad, like it's but, in the past now, it's over? But, but that's, it's not even a matter of admitting guilt that you fucked up. It's, yeah, I guess you're really still it's don't allowing even yourself, yeah. It's allowing yourself the time to assess the player to see if you have a franchise quarterback there. I think it's safe to say, and I might be off base here, maybe he is this Tom Brady – uh, Mr. Irrelevant, greatest of all. Like, 
I, I don't think Brock Purdy's that. I think he's in a groove right now. I think his yeah. play caller and his team around him is insulating him. I don't think he's the long-term answer at quarterback for San Francisco. If he's starting next year, he's a one-year stopgap. He's a two-year stopgap. Trey Lance, you're still hoping, is your 10-year answer guy. at quarterback. I don't think he is, but that's the process. You have to allow yeah. the process to play itself out. It's it's so uh, – yeah, we've gotten off the rails here. We're, we're talking 49ers <laughs> So what football. do you think? On it's, <laughs> it's so weird that a perennial NFC power, a team that's in the NFC championship every year, that's kind of seemed like almost the model franchise in the NFC at this point, that is so consistent, that is always so tough to beat, that's always right there, has this much quarterback uncertainty and really trust year after year. Like really since the Super Bowl that they lost every year, it's – is Jimmy G good enough? Is Brock per- like if no other team can get away with having this uncertainty at the quarterback position? But that's it what just shows the you best how, defense, yeah, the best defense in the league, and an amazing run game and receivers. Show you what they have around them. Yeah, receivers who may who turn uh, small gains into big uh, chunks. It's it's the perfect formula to insulate a guy like Brock Purdy. Do I think they can win a Super Bowl with him? I don't think so. Do Depends I think on they- who they get. Do I think they can represent the NFC? Yes. I don't know that you can beat Cincinnati, Buffalo, or Kansas City with Brock Purdy. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll Uh, get to that point if we get to that point. But for this game, at least, like you and I talked a little bit before the show, like I'm happy for Seattle. I'm happy for Geno Smith that they went out and they won that football game and, and, and beat the Rams in overtime. But man, like that's a team that was holding on for dear life as we got as we came down the stretch here, and they, they, it's I don't like I don't I feel weird being critical of them because they like they so far surpassed expectation yeah. this year. Like we were talking when they were playing they a wild card weekend, football. it was supposed to be a complete rebuild. Yeah, like we, I mean, it, the odds were much more likely for them to have the number one overall pick than for them to be playing wild card weekend. But like. You look at them down the stretch, like they lose the Panthers. They lose that game to the 49ers on Thursday night that was like, um, I know it was technically close on the scoreboard, but it was never really close. They lost by two touchdowns to the Chiefs. They beat the Jets, but everybody beats the Jets. Like they beat the Rams, but the Rams had Baker and it took the, like everything they had in overtime at home in a must win spot. Like I just don't really trust this team going forward. I, Gino is kind of, he's not as bad as, as he's been in the past, but he's not the, you know, the first ballot pro bowler that we were talking about earlier in the year that he was playing like, I just kind of think the lipstick is off the pig a little bit here for Seattle. And I think they're going up against a team that has owned them this year. Like then two, yeah. two times has really just dominated both games. They play 27, seven, I know 21, 13 doesn't sound like the most dominant score, but that game was nowhere near as close as the score suggested. I really like San Francisco at home here to just kind of control play. I, I don't think I, I Great run for Seattle. Great season for Seattle. They got two first round picks. That's a lot to build on, including one of the top five. They're going to be a thing next year, but like it's it's not this year for them. Yeah, Seattle is uh, Seattle is the biggest underdog in terms of point spread here. Second biggest in terms of percentage to win uh, a money line wager at least at plus three eighty. Only bigger dog in terms of the money line this week is Miami, even though. They're catching just nine and not nine and a half. We'll get there. Uh, yeah. L.A. and Jacksonville, big moment for two young quarterbacks. One's going to walk away with uh, some valuable experience, and the other's going to walk to divisional round with a notch in their belt. Um, who's the pressure on in this game? Because for me, the pressure couldn't be any more on the shoulders of Justin Herbert. I know he's a year in front 
of uh, of uh, <clears throat> excuse me of Trevor Lawrence in uh, mm-hmm. just career developmental uh, whatever it may be. If if Herbert loses to Lawrence in this spot, and you have to hit the reset button next year and play in a always difficult division where you expect Denver to maybe be a little bit better. You expect Kansas city to be the constant who knows what's going on in Vegas. If Brady's there, if Rogers there, it's a prime opportunity for Herbert to get a win on his belt and uh, do something that is expected of him. Uh, He's younger than Stetson Bennett as our four other quarterbacks currently starting in the NFL. But uh, at 24 years old, we have high expectations of this young man because of the physical gifts he has. I think that the pressure is solely on the shoulders of Justin Herbert in this game. I think it's on Brandon Staley, too. Um, okay. I think, and I know he's in the playoffs, but it, it hasn't been a very big secret that one job that Sean Payton has his eyes on was the was the L.A. Chargers. And after what the decisions Brandon Staley made last week to keep playing starters in a, in a completely I, I get it play play in the first quarter play in the first half so they're not week off fine I get that to keep playing them in a meaningless game against a team that was kind of rejuvenated and playing as good a football as they had like not just going through the motions and then you go get your one a or one b whatever you want to call Mike Williams as opposed to Keenan Allen in that in that room. You go get him hurt, like he, his back gets messed up, and that's been his perennial problem since he came in the league. Are you kidding me? Like, you just put – again, you put your quarterback in this awful position, and Justin Herbert obviously still needs to show that he can do it, but, like, his head coach isn't doing him any favors. And I, for the long-term sake of the L.A. Chargers, if – and you need to be doing some research in some inner circles that Sean Payton wants the job if it's available, but, like, Getting Brandon Staley out, like losing this game, using that as a reason to fire Brandon Staley, and then bringing in Sean Payton to pair up with Justin Herbert, I think is by far the best possible result for this LA Chargers franchise. And you never want to lose a playoff game. You want to win every game you play in the playoffs. But I think for the long term, that's a very possible path. Yeah, I, I don't know. I it's and I I feel weird saying you want to, you don't want to lose a playoff game. You want to win a playoff game. The Chargers have a have a very talented quarterback. They have a talented roster. They can win a Super Bowl. But I, I don't just, want to. I don't Brandon Staley uh, screams more Matt Nagy to me than you know. Yeah, really he good doesn't. Coach. He doesn't for me. I, he has some. He has some decision making issues. Um, I didn't agree with uh, Bosa being out there tweaking the groin. Williams being out there hurting his back. Um, those things can happen anytime your players are on the field. That does not excuse the decision. It's more of his in-game decision making yeah. that I think is the issue here. He. He's put Justin Herbert in every position to succeed. I think his play calling allows Justin Herbert to shine. I think that he is one of the, I don't know if I want to put a number on it, but I'd say he's in the top half, maybe right in that middle average coach area right now. But but my, my issue with the fire the guy, figure it out situation mm-hmm. is that we already have four head coaching openings, uh, five with Clint Kingsbury, if I'm not mistaken. And there's probably going to be two, so, yeah. there's probably going to be two, three, four more. Everybody thinks they're getting Sean Payton. And I have two issues with that. Only one team is getting Sean Payton. Maybe no teams are getting Sean Payton. And how good of a coach is Sean Payton right now? A guy who needed a breather, who needed a break, who needed to step away from it because things got hard after Drew Brees. How ready are you for the next 10 years of head coaching? Everybody thinks Sean Payton is going to come in and be this quarterback whisperer, play caller to the star quarterback. 
Why, why are those things guaranteed? Drew Brees made that offense go. Drew Brees made that franchise move. Drew Brees called a lot of those plays. Yes, Sean Payton's a great head coach, was a great head coach. Is he going to be a great head coach? I don't know. Somebody's going to put their chips in that basket, and this guy might go into a situation that's a little bit harder than the one he had with Drew Brees for 20 years where he could just sneeze and the game plan was going to work. It's not going to be that easy in today's NFL. The competition level has risen. You sat a year out. You're the flat-footed one. Why is Sean Payton a cure-all? It feels to me, and I know I'm comparing quarterback mm-hmm. to coach, it feels to me like Russell Wilson last year. Add Russell Wilson to this team, it's going to be a contender. Add Russell Wilson to this team, it's going to be a contender. Add Sean Payton to this team, they're immediately a contender. I, I don't know I don't know if Sean Payton is the answer for the Chargers. The answer for the Chargers is Justin Herbert going out on Saturday mm-hmm. and putting numbers up. That's the answer for them. Because, yes, Andy Reid... Nick Sirianni, uh, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott. These guys are getting the most out of their teams, but it becomes that thing retroactively with Brady and Belichick where we point at it and say, it was the quarterback who did it. It was the coach who did it. It was this person who did it. It's always a mixture of them. So if we want to assign blame in, in LA right now, it's a mixture of Herbert and, and Staley. And if totally you're going to assign success in the future, it's going to be a mixture of Herbert and whoever his head coaches. I, I just don't prescribe to this whole, like, everybody thinks that Sean Payton is going to turn some team immediately into a contender. I, I don't see it. I don't see it that way. I guess let's get to the other side then, because I, I don't think anything you said there is totally wrong. I, I can't disagree too. Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville's, Jacksonville's playing with house money. I didn't expect yeah. them to be here. They didn't expect to be here. Awesome stretch by Doug Peterson, who's getting the most out of his quarterback. Quarterback's playing well. Tons of good running backs on that team. Um, I was going to say, is Doug know? Peterson coach of the year? No, Brian Dable is for me. Brian Dable or Sirianni. Dable, Dable has a team in the playoffs that has no – Dable has a team in the playoffs that could be picking where we are. Yeah. That roster stinks. Saquon looked great this year. It was an awesome comeback year in a contract situation. Daniel Jones looks – Daniel Jones looked better than he ever has, but that roster stinks. There isn't a wide receiver on that team. There isn't a, a, I mean, there's a couple pieces defensively. What he's gotten out of that team is the best coaching job of the year. I don't know if he'll get coach of the year. It usually goes to someone who wins 13 games, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Um, I, Nick Sirianni. It, you know, it probably does end up being Nick Sirianni. I'm looking at the odds now. He's minus 175 to win that. Kyle Shanahan is plus 300, oddly enough. As good as he's done a great job, but I feel like this has kind of been the standard Kyle Shanahan, which shows you how good of a coach yeah, but he you is. You lose two quarterbacks and, and you still yeah. rattle off a 10 game win streak. That deserves a look. I just more or less just going out and say, like Doug Peterson did an amazing job this year. And I think with how his time ended in Philly, like coming into this year, it was like, oh, the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson. Like, okay, that's fine. Like, I guess we'll see what happens. I remember we were talking about, you know, the the Bears were, I think, one of the teams that interviewed him and thought about him. Obviously, ended up didn't go, did not end up going with him. But it was like, all right, like, yeah, that would be like a a B minus hire. Like, fine. He's been so unbelievably good for that franchise, and I think the way things ended in Philly watered people's opinions down of how good of a coach he actually is when he has, you know proper support from upstairs and ha- you know is, ha- gets the decent roster that he needs, which by the way, this isn't even that decent of a roster, but what he's done with Trevor Lawrence, who obviously is a generational talent, 
but taking him from where he was last year is what appeared to almost be a broken kid after you know, mentally um, after what he went through with Urban Meyer and basically coaching himself for a year uh, deserves some absolute conversation. And probably not the guy that wins it. It's probably Nick Sirianni, but that's a guy that need, deserves to be right up there. Yeah. And uh, kudos to Trevor Lawrence for stepping forward and becoming a leader. I'm sure Doug Peterson's had uh, a big role in that and him getting mm-hmm. more comfortable in front of the microphone as well. And I think everyone should take a little bit of a, a slice of humble pie when it comes to Christian Kirk and that crazy deal. Um, kid came out, balled yep. out, and lived up to it here in this season. Uh, I think it's the Niners, and then I think it's the – man, that, that's a tougher one to pick for me. I think Jacksonville at home could cause some problems, but I think I got to go with L.A. in that game as well. Yeah, I lean L.A. Um, I, 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 Jacksonville's playing with house money. I know we saw we these two teams play already this year, and, and Jacksonville beat them pretty good in week two or whatever that was, but – that was a long time ago, and I just I think there's a lot more there's a lot more desperation on the Chargers side, and I just think they're a deeper, more talented football team. Now, this is undoubtedly going to be one of those games where they have every chance to pull away, like they got a bunch of turnovers yeah. and don't capitalize. But hundred percent, this is going to be it's going to be like a twenty four twenty one game that very easily could have been thirty eight twenty one. Uh, feels close late. One game that I don't think will be close early or late is Buffalo and Miami to lead off Sunday mm-hmm. on CBS one p.m. in Orchard Park. We know the numbers when Miami goes to the cold. We know the numbers when Tua doesn't play. We don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, oh, uh, I, I'm on FanDuel right now. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, That line has now moved to 12 and a half. Is there, okay, is there so a Tua, Tua announcement? Is, oh, so yes. Is, Dol- Dolphins are preparing as if from Adam Schefter as if rookie QB Skylar Thompson will start Sunday in Buffalo. So, hey, good on us. Has, we finally well, had be, some breaking news right happen now, during yeah. the pod as opposed to 20 minutes after. Well, that changes my. Uh, no, you know what? That, that hey, it still might not, buddy. That's up to yeah, you. Yeah, it might not. We'll, we'll get there when we get there in terms of locks of the week. I was laying nine. Uh, yeah, I was laying nine. Twelve and a can, half. Can I get the nine? I gave you the nine. I placed the bet at nine. I guess uh, I can't give out the nine. No, you can't. I'm sorry. It's fine. I, I don't want to talk. Give I don't it wanna, to you, but I can't. I don't want to talk about this game any further. It's going to be an absolute gong show. There's not a world where Skylar Thompson can beat Buffalo in Buffalo, Minnesota and New York. Here's where I think the dogs start barking because Minnesota is a paper tiger. New York knows what it is to go to that building, play a competitive football game and lose on a 61 yard field goal in week 16. They, they feel like they should have won that football game. I think that gives you a boost. I think the fact that Minnesota can't stop a soul defensively gives you a boost. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I still look at this New York offense and I don't know how they score points. Um, that could be an issue, but I like New York here catching the points. Um, I think they went out, right? I'm really interested. I, I kind of lean with you there too. I, I'm interested to see how they attack Kirk cousins early and see if they try and, you know, bring a ton of pressure because that's what the giants do defensively. Um, and if they can get Kirk rattled a little bit earlier or a little bit early in that one, like we saw it multiple times in 18 with the Bears when, you know, that defensive line was going after him. When he feels uncomfortable early, the interceptions start coming, the fumbles start coming, the, the terrible passes start coming. That's going to be the key for me. If you, and, uh, I, I don't mean to sound too obvious here that, that the game rests on Kirk Cousins' shoulders, but like if the Giants can get to Kirk early, they're going to win this football game. If they let Kirk settle in, I think the Vikings probably do win it, but the Giants can get after the quarterback pretty good. Can we backpedal to a big idea here on Miami? Because now of course. looking at it, it's sort of, of course. Uh, sort of uh, setting in. Does Tua take another snap as a Miami Dolphin? Um, 
No, I don't think so. And let me, quite let me honestly, that. Let me I don't know that if Tua should take another snap as a football player. Okay. In all honesty. More than quite, is Tua the starter next year in Miami? I, he is only if they swing and miss on, you know, Rodgers or Brady or another, you know, big whatever. Um, I, I'm looking absolutely elsewhere because not only is Tua at times this year down the stretch not been as good, but like, the kids had three concussions, and it's like it's it sucks that this is what it's come to. But he's had three concussions, and you know you have to start worrying about one the health of the kid, but also like your franchise cannot really lay on the shoulders of somebody who has concussion issues because that's very scarily and sadly an issue that doesn't go away and something that kind of once it happens once or twice you're kind of more prone to it. Um, and that's, I don't think those are going away. And I, I truly think that it's just, for, it's just for so his future and their, it's just, I it's don't so think unfortunate he should, because it is because he he's a very talented, a, he was, an, he was an MVP favorite. He was, he was one of the playing at an MVP favorites. level. He was playing at an MVP level and you don't get to say that about your quarterback and for Miami fans and for that franchise, it's, it's tough. That's why I think they're the perfect, uh, location for one of those veteran win now situation type things. Um, I don't know. We'll see if that's we'll see if that's what comes to fruition. We'll see if they got the bullets to uh, get a guy like Rogers to town or a guy like Brady. Um, just unfortunate. I feel for two in this situation because he answered the questions early on. There was so he much did. doubt around his ability, and he answered those questions. And it's his availability that is now uh, the bigger question mark. Uh, we hit New York, Minnesota. I think New York wins outright there. Uh, Buffalo, excuse me, Baltimore and Cincinnati, another divisional matchup. Actually, a Week 18 run it back matchup. Mm-hmm. They faced off uh, just last week with Baltimore's third string quarterback keeping it a game. Does that give you any pause when you look at this number? Not really. I, I think Cincinnati just kind of went into like, you know, protected mode. Well, once they, they, I mean, they got up early and I think they just kind of put it in neutral for a little bit while, little while and just went out and won the football game. I'm still, I have no idea what to expect about Lamar. Like I, I've seen now some tweets that are saying like, looking like it's, it's trending towards he might not play. No one really seems to know what's going on there, but like, if he comes back and has any issues, you know, mobility wise with, with that ankle, it's the ankle, right? I think it's an ankle. TCL. Okay. If he has any uh, issues with that, like, and he's not moving at a hundred percent, like we've seen this before. If you turn Lamar into a pure pocket passer, if you take away those legs, he's not somebody that's going to, you know, win you a whole lot of big playoff games against really good competition because, you know, part of what makes him so incredibly talented and so incredibly good is his running ability, his mobility. And if you, if you take that away from him, he's not the best pocket passer in football. And I think, I think the Bengals can absolutely exploit that. And I, I, I'm expecting them to play just a very good football game, not beat themselves. And I'm, I'm expecting the best out of the Bengals. Yeah, that's the micro, the macro. And I'm not insinuating that this is the case, but it would not surprise me if Lamar is posturing right now for leverage. Yeah. And that would be a, such a terrible thing for a quarterback to hold himself out as a negotiation chip. But yeah, this is where this is where Baltimore has taken this situation. They've had opportunities to pay this guy. They're likely not going to. They're probably going to franchise him, if not franchise and trade him. Um, this could be Lamar saying, "You don't want to break me off. What am I going to go put my body on the line for you?" And that's yeah. Unfortunate, but understandable. It's a business, and the man's got to take care of his business. Um, 
I mean, especially I, I after them announcing the Roquan extension, like that, that, that them getting Roquan that deal and that extension to me is just saying, yeah, we are putting the tag on Lamar because that was the only other question was, would they reach yeah. a deal with Lamar and use the tag on Roquan? No, they're shout out, they're shout out the row, shout out the row. Good friend for getting this in the history of the league. We couldn't do it for him. Um, I'll always root for him. Yeah, uh, it's easy to root for him on the other side of things, but um, yeah, dude got his money, so respect to him. But like you said, it definitely says something about where we could be going uh, with the Lamar situation. I think this is a uh, a comfortable Cincinnati win. A backdoor cover on that seven does scare me if Lamar is playing, but. Uh, that is not my lock of the week. I'm going to give you my lock of the week right now, Matt. Mm. It's going to surprise you because I was going to give you the Bills laying nine just out of principle. I cannot lay 12. Can I still get it's 13 and a half now. It's tw- Wow, it's, it's 12 and a half. And a half now. It's 13 and a half. That is not- I'm going to be playing the Cowboys Buccaneers under 45 and a half. See, I, that doesn't surprise me at all because I was between that and my pick. So I love that now, pick. I almost took it myself. The, the reason that I, I struggle there is because – Looking at these two teams coming into the year, it was supposed to be two explosive offenses, right? Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay score a bunch of points. Tom throw it a million times. Dallas score a bunch of points. Dak throw it a million times. Dallas has been that at times. Tampa has not at all. But the simple fact that Dallas has these turnover issues right now, I think they come out with a more conservative game plan. I think they lean on the run. I think this is very much like a 24, 17, 24, 10. I think that this game is contested in the teens to low twenties. And that's why I'm going to play this one under the 45 and a half. I think Tampa beats Dallas because it's the, it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate Dallas disappointment situation. You win 12 games. You look like a Super Bowl contender at times. You look like you have the best defense in the world at times. And then when rubber meets road and it gets to playoff time, you are uh, uninspired, you have to go play Tom Brady on the road. Non-intimidating team running into a Tom Brady-led franchise that has shown nothing this year. So wouldn't it make the most sense that Tom comes out here and absolutely tears it up with these guys? Like, it, it just getting is healthy, perfect, too. It's this perfect intersection of the Cowboys landing flat immediately in the playoffs, and I think that's what happens once again. Yeah, I think with that one, you're going to know pretty early if that's a winner or a loser. I think you're going to be able to tell pretty much by the end of the first quarter if your under is going to be safe or if, you know, it's it, if the Cowboys, it's which Cowboys offense shows up because we've yeah. seen the one that puts up 40 against Minnesota or puts up 40 against Philly. And then we've seen the one that puts up six against the Commanders in another weird game. I guess it wasn't totally meaningless for them because they were still technically playing for the one seat. Um, but Tampa's getting healthy. And Tom, find, like that Carolina game, he started to finally look himself like Tristan Wirth's going to be back. Ryan Jensen, they're not saying, but probably going to be back. And like that's been the issue. So, like Tampa's talent is still there. It's just Tom hasn't been protected. And if you protect Tom, watch out. Yeah, I think that they could win some games. I, I'm still not there to where like they could make any actual noise. I think they could win this weekend, but then uh, you're running into a, a buzzsaw of some sort. I, I really think. I think I'm talking about in terms is, of this week, though. This week, I think that they can win because the the Cowboys can't bully you. They're going to run into a Philly or a or a San Francisco that can absolutely put you in a bully phone you. booth and assault you. And they don't saw earlier with the, they don't, they don't, they don't have that in them this year, Tampa Bay. That's where I think their weakness is, is in their, in their toughness, their resilience. I don't think they'll need a whole lot of toughness and resilience to take care of the Cowboys this week. So can can I have a macro question on Tampa Bay really quickly? If they lose this and Tom wants out, 
Um, uh, is Mike Evans going to be on the trading block? Love because that question. I know a team that might be interested in Mike Evans. Love that question. And it might be a team um, that has $119 million in cap space and a lot of draft picks. That would be very interesting. Just throwing okay. that one out there. Put I that like in the tickler file. I like that. That one does tickle me. That yeah, one put that one in the tickler file. I like it. Uh, let's let's just run that back uh, in terms of money line picks here. Just straight up picks to win. Yeah. I believe it's San Francisco, L.A., Buffalo, New York, Cincinnati, Tampa. Ah, man, I'm going to go San Francisco. I'm going to take Jacksonville because okay. I, I, part I like of me that. thinks the Chargers are just going to charge it themselves. And quite honestly, a plus 108, that's some pretty good value there on the money line. Also, I want to throw this out there. I think it was like week three or four. The Chargers, I think it might have been after they beat the Chargers. The, the Jaguars had 10 to 1 to win the East or to win the South. And I said, that's the best bet out there on the board. Just saying, I hope guy. you took that advice. Look at this um, I'm sorry, Bills are going to win that. I'm going to go. I hate that I'm going to take the Vikings, but I think the Vikings somehow win that game. I don't. Th- I, then I think they get embarrassed by whoever they play next week. Uh, Bengals, and I'm also going to go Bucks. All right, that's how. We There's a reason it. that the Bucks are only two and a half point dogs after the season they've had and the season the Cowboys had. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, oh, and my lock is the Niners minus nine and a half. I don't think I said that when we we're doing the game. If I didn't make that obvious enough, how down I am on Seattle in this game, not not now, long term, but now just I like the Niners. Now, because I've gotten raked over the coals here, I want you to hit that refresh button because I can't give you nine and a half. I'm looking at FanDuel Sports. I'll refresh it right now. Looking FanDuel Sportsbook says nine and a half. I'm looking at ten right now on Caesars. I'm going to send betting. you. A, I'm going to send you. Can I send you a picture? It's got to be timestamp. It's got to be timestamp. I, I will show you the the photo of the video right now. Take take my phone. Eleven oh four a.m. Minus nine and a half on FanDuel. Eleven oh four a.m. I'm sending it to you. Because you're on Caesars. It's a different book. Yeah, you ever heard of big, shopping around, that's a, that's, a, that's a big difference there. That's I agree. Big, it is. That's why I'm going with the book with the better price right now. All right. All right well, I sent you, you a know. video. It's coming through. This is great podcasting. I got, I got the video. I'm watching the video. You have too many tabs open. I do. I have, it's, it's, it's work. What's, what is what is the, this tab right here? What is it? It says... No, no, that's personal. That's for you. That's 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 just What's that's personal? that's that's only that's your own own business. I was looking at some of your tabs, Matt. Keep oh, it clean. I got Come on. I got Getty Images. I it's got noon. Email, it's uh, noon. It's noon. Matt Service, BetSports, YouTube. Get your head out of the gutter. I had heads always heads always in the gutter. <laughs> All right, so Matt's gonna give you uh, the Niners laying nine and a half. I'm giving you under forty five and a half in Dallas, Tampa Bay. Just to recap, last week Christian Kirk was free money. You're welcome, Matt. You hit on what we were Bills late, late seven, late seven with the Bills. So Matt sits at ten and seven. I sit at nine and eight. Regular season is behind us. Both of us above five hundred. Pat on the back. A golf clap for the Moose and Runes boys here. Hopefully we keep a good thing going. Uh, just to just to look back at. I know I shared my all on the line streak was at eight. Made one all on the line pick this weekend. We are nine of our last Hell, nine. What, what was that pick there on the air? Was uh, it the one I gave out on. Uh, no, I gave you Detroit Green Bay under forty eight and a half. Mm. That was uh, that was a winner. Uh, looking back, I don't even want to like look back, but my last loss was Kyler over rushing yards when he blew his knee out. That was going to hit as well. And we won one prior to that. So like technically I'm like 11 in a row, but not in, in terms of winning tickets. Hey, 10 out of your last going. 11 ain't nothing. It is nothing to be shy. You know, it's nothing to. That's right. That's nothing right. To frown at. 
Uh, those are your divisional, or excuse me, your wild card weekend picks. Uh, divisional will be next week, obviously, and then uh, things get down to the nitty gritty here. I will only celebrate NFL. I will not uh, lament us coming down the stretch because I love playoff football so much. Yep. This is my favorite month of the year. Uh, These Matt, next two weekends are awesome. I Just think awesome. that's. Uh, I think that's all we got at this uh, current juncture. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else here uh, on the? Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't think so. Do we talk about the golf show uh, coming up? Netflix. Yeah, we got, Was that uh, before couple, we started recording? Couple news. Couple news items here. Uh, golf Netflix show is coming out. It's called Full Swing. Uh, that's in February. The teaser's out. Watch that. Can't wait. We're a golf pod. Uh, some news coming down here just moments ago. Damar Hamlin has been discharged from the Buffalo Hospital. He'll continue his rehabilitation at team facilities and at home. Um, I mean, oh, also something to, I don't mean to cut yeah, you yeah. off there, but this, it's something that got lost because of the DeMar Hamlin news. But the whole Peyton Hillis story about him being in the ICU now because he, you know, saved his kids from drowning. Uh, it sounds yeah. like he's getting better, but like thoughts and prayers towards Peyton Hillis and his Most family definitely. too, because that's a, that's the definition of a hero. Heroic. Right there. Yeah. Heroic. Um, so a couple news items there on the way out the door. Did you want to hit? Did you have a mailbag that you said a mailbag? Oh, uh, no. Rob Rob was just asking about Matt Eberflus. How much credit does Matt Eberflus get for changing the Soldier Field grass the first week of the year? It seemed that like it that's never little, really... That's a little great. in the weeds. That's a little in the weeds for right now. Well, Rob, Rob has admittedly um, said about half of his mailbags are him just being bored and wanting to you know chat sports Got with it. somebody and half Got of it. them are you know bring him up on the show i think that Got was it. a half like let's talk about it well we appreciate that now if we we're, do if we're giving matt eberflus credit for the playing surface let's give him credit for moving the team to arlington to an entirely new playing surface Can't, can't <laughs> that wait. would be that would be the credit i'd like to give to uh, uh the mccaskies uh to how about, how about that soldier, that soldier field I, I can't do it i can't do it down. i can't do it I can't, that was I'm, hilarious. Not, I'm not gonna talk about the rendering i'm not gonna talk about the I'm putting a bubble over a Franken stadium. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to enjoy my day. He's Matt. I'm Joe. <laughs> Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.